views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of the station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Okay, then. It is so good to be connecting with all of you. Uh, I'm Dr. Pat. You are listening to the Dr. Pat Show on Transformation Talk Radio, soon to be known as TransformationRadio.fm. Um, but still Transformation Talk Radio, it's all about the T, isn't it? <laughs> Mr. T. What's Mr. T doing these days? I want to thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. And yes, for those of you, you have the camera on, right? The camera's been on, right? Yeah. yeah. That was a hard-boiled egg you just... Mr. T would be proud. I just ate a hard boiled egg. Gotta get your protein in there, Pat. He's probably doing a lot of. I didn't have to get my uh, protein in. That's actually what you saw me do. But it was an organic, organic egg. Okay, it was definitely an organic egg. But it's because uh, of today's show as well. I mean, part of this is we got to do self care. And I zipped out of the house this morning, super, super early just to make sure I could get here on time for Mr. Benny and the shows. If you ever want to make your producer crazy, okay, here's what you do. Don't show up on time and don't let him know you're in traffic. Now, Benny and I have been through this for 13 years, and so what do we do? Usually I can text him. Now I have a phone that I can talk into or something in the car. I'm not quite sure how to do that. Um, But it's all about the preparation, and I want to thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. We had a great show for you today. I mean, actually, I'm trying to think of when I haven't had a great show. I think I actually had a great show one time in 2005, and I actually remember that show. I remember that show. That was a stretch for me. I, I actually even remember who I interviewed. And all I kept asking him, I kept, remember I kept asking him questions, and he kept saying, his answer was always, I know nothing. I remember that show like it was yesterday. Yeah, those are the best interviews. It was one of the best interviews. <laughs> and and I think I finally said something to him like, you got to be really kidding me, right? I mean, for real? And he was really pulling my chain. I come to find out later. Um, but what is it about about situations like that in life when things like that happen? Like when you're doing an interview with Olivia Newton-John and the phone drops three times. That was Eric Burris got to experience that. That was that was him like doing one of these pre-record that was, jobs. That was actually it happened twice to us. It happened twice one to us. One on we each did of our one. watches, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and only to find out right that you have to stay mentally strong. You have to stay mentally strong. But what does that mean? Does that mean you just suck it up and you know like rock it and just like oh I'm all about being mentally strong. I'm like uh, Mean Joe Green or something. I don't know. 
But today's show, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, Benny. They don't do. Got it. (laughs) Amy Morton joining me here today. She's like thinking, really? My publicist scheduled me for this show with these crazies right here today. Uh, And I want to just tell you, this is a really cool book. I love this approach. For many of you, you know the heat I have taken over the years, 13 to be exact, about our tagline, what would you do new if you what would you do if you knew you could not fail? And as a matter of fact, that became such a tra- a tagline for us. Did you know that there are actually people that now have created a wrote a book about it and the whole thing about it? I refuse to change the word fail because that is me. I could not sugarcoat that, but I don't know if that's being mentally strong or not. And so this is me going to talk about what this means. And so here we are with Amy, for those of you out there, licensed clinical social worker, college college psychology instructor and psychotherapist, and she has worked with countless people, countless people, and people facing challenges. So what is it she learned? And why is it that she's taken her knowledge and her latest research to come to the forefront to say, I got a few things I want to share with you. There are a few things I want to say. And hence, she's written this phenomenal book, this amazing book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. And so I said to everybody on the team, you guys, you need to be listening to this show. We have to see who, you know, we have to see if I'm doing this, any of these things. And I actually got to do my little checklist on this for myself. You know, where am I in my mentally strong index, right? My MSI, where am I in this? Amy? Amy, are you still with us? I am, yes, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I got to ask you. You know, when we enter the world of psychology, some of us, we get to study a bunch of things. Why this? Well, you know, I think a couple of reasons. I was interested in the topic of mental strength that brought me into being a therapist in the first place, but I feel like there were so many misconceptions about what it means to be strong. You have all these people that now talk about mental toughness, and they sort of think, you know, it's about tolerating as much pain as you can. Somehow that makes you strong, or if you can, you know, run a marathon three days in a row, or if you can step over hot coals, it must mean you're mentally strong, but that's actually not it. That has nothing to do with whether or not you're a mentally strong person. So I really wanted to to teach people what it means to be mentally strong and help people figure out how can you build mental strength. We talk so much about physical strength, but we don't really talk about mental strength. And so it seems to come as a surprise to people that you can do exercises to become mentally strong, too. I have to tell you that uh, am, uh, did you do a self-assessment? Yeah, well, you know, I always tell people I come by this list honestly, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, we kind of learn this thing, right? You know, we teach what we need to improve, right, on ourselves. And <laughs> Yeah, I always tell people you can tell that I'm working on the life based on the articles I'm writing that particular day or week. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, fascinating. I've been doing this 13 years, and, and I, I remember saying that a lot of years ago, and I still say it. And people say, oh, girlfriend, you must have a ton that you need to learn. Because here I am, 10,000 shows later, I've learned a ton. 
But I fascinatingly looked at your book, read your book, and I said, man, I still got some more stuff to learn. More stuff to learn. Tell me a little bit about how you went about the research part of this, if you could. Well, you know, it was people are always surprised to hear. I never intended to write a book. I actually sort of <laughs> refer to myself as an accidental author. You know, it started out um, as an article that went crazy viral, and 10 million people read it in a matter of days, and then Forbes picked it up, and 10 million more people read it. And so a literary agent called me and said, we want you to write the book. And so it was nothing that I had intended to set out and write, but it was something that, as a therapist, over the years, I'd really learned that sometimes it's not always uh, the things that people are doing in life, it's the things that they're not doing that really makes a difference. Combined with my own personal tragedies that seem to be one after the next after the next, that I really learned that sometimes you don't need to worry about adding more good habits to your life. Sometimes it's a matter of giving up a few of the bad habits that are holding you back. And so when it came time to write the book, it was the things that I had learned and things that I knew and things that I'd read about over the years. It was just a matter of finally putting it all together in one place. I love that because I'm like you. I am one of these people that um, I studied myself something controversial. I, You know, everybody wanted me to, you know, Pollyanna Pat, you know, they wanted me to do some stuff. I studied the consequences of broken promises for eight years. I finished, a, a, you know, my final dissertation on it, and I did postdoctoral work, and then I had to go to therapy. Um, I probably should have come see you. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, what I discovered after all of that is had I had your book in front of me that I could give to the people I've interviewed, their lives would change. Their lives would change. Uh, well, thank you. And that's what I find in what you've put together here. Uh, whether or not you intended to do this or not, you are destined to do this, you see. That's what I think. Because nobody nobody writes about what you've written about here and how you've done it without having some destiny that needed to be called forward. Um, I want to ask you this. What kind of feedback have you been getting so far about the book? <laughs> Yeah, I've gotten wonderful feedback. Uh, the vast majority of people have said that, you know, they just never really looked at it that way and that they never thought about, oh, you know, how to focus on what not to do. And uh, some people will say, you know, I inherently kind of knew these things, but I just never really thought about it or I never put this all together. And it's just heartwarming to me when I get emails from people that say, you know, I'm working on these skills and my life is getting better. And I just think, wow, that's just incredible to me that, because I, I think that you're absolutely right. I never intended to write the book, but I'm so glad that things unfolded the, yeah. the way that they did, and now people are telling me that it's been it's helped change their life and improve their outlook and how they're doing things. So I'm thrilled that that's happened. Well, I am thrilled you have done this. But I, I will say this, and we're going to talk about this when we come back. You are another example. In the 13 years I've been doing this, I really cannot even think about not a single person, but you are a beautiful example of inspiration that comes from a place of enormous emotional pain, grief, and loss. That is, you are are someone that represents exactly what you're writing about. And that's why I so was looking forward for today. When we come back, we're going to talk about what I'm referring to and why your journey has now, in my mind, become the blueprint for anybody out there that's thinking that they do not have a second or a third chance in life. 
that the thing that showed up in their life, the obstacle, the pain, the loss, is going to do them in. And I'm telling you, I'm speaking about myself. I've got Amy in the house. She's going to help me. Help me, Amy. Help me. We'll be right back with the show. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Stephan each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Called the Oprah of Radio by her listeners. Award-winning host Dr. Pat Vasily is blowing the doors off of traditional talk radio. Get ready for an energizing delivery and powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's fresh new perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Visit the drpatshow.com. That's T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com for listening times in your area. Tune in each Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 Eastern Time on Transformation Talk Radio to Limelight Radio with Katina Macris. This is an inspirational, cutting-edge radio show educating worldwide listeners on a diversity of Lyme disease-related topics. Each week, Katina will interview some of the world's leaders in health, wellness, spirituality, and human potential. For more information, visit LimeLightRadio.com. Each month, listen to Live More Radio with co-host Allie Katz. Join Allie and Dr. Pat as Allie introduces new ways to bring balance back to your life through meditation, sleep, and exercise techniques so you can live your truly authentic life. Stress less, live more. To learn more about Allie, visit livemoreradio.com. Do you want to transform your life's trauma and challenges into the gift that your life was meant to be? It's time for you to take control of your soul journey to heal, grow, and shine. Manifest your destiny with Wendy Wolf, soul transformer, energy, and psychic healer. To start your soul journey, contact Wendy at HealGrowShine.com or email Wendy at Wendy at WendyRWolf.com and start your adventure today. Get ready to embrace your feminine nature and get wild. Join Lynn Brown and Wendy R. Wolf for the Wild Transformation Retreat this July 26th through August 1st. Get ready for a mental, physical, and spiritual challenge. A call back to nature and its unlimited gifts. To learn more and register for the early bird price by July 1st, visit areyouintoit.com. That's letter R, letter U, intoit.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. You can go to the drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com. 
TransformationRadio.fm if you want. That's our new network, which we've just launched and uh, officially will be launched the 4th of July. Um, and Facebook, The Dr. Pat Show, Twitter, The Dr. Pat Show. You know, I'm so glad that Amy is joining us here today. I'm going to make sure that you have information about her as well as information about how to get a copy of, of the book. Uh, we're going to really dig deeply into this for a little bit because not only is it brilliantly written, but it is written in a way that every one of us can relate to. Um, I'm one of these, I need to be able to connect the dots, and I don't even know what I don't know. But when somebody writes a book like this, and I get to read it, and I go through page and page and pages and say, oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. Oh, no, that's Linda. I'm just just joking right there. Um, uh, There's something going on with what she's done. Amy, thank you for joining me. Before we jump into the book and jump into, you know, the story, uh, at least the, you know, the transformative moment for you, um, tell folks how they can find about out about more about you and how they can get a copy of the book. Sure. My website is Amy Morin, M-O-R-I-N, L-C-S-W, is in licensedclinicalsocialworker.com. And my book is available at Target and Barnes & Noble, and of course it's on Amazon, and just about every major bookstore is fortunately carrying it. Yeah, no kidding. Listen how humble she is. I love this. <laughs> I love this. This this is a woman that's got a book that is so rocking. Just watch out. Um, we actually are going to give a copy of the book away. First caller, 1-800-930-2819. You know, Amy, what I'd like to start with here is, um, before we really jump into some of these, is... You know, I know from my life, there have been some enormous losses in my life. And the question mark becomes, what do I do with them? You, too, have had uh, transformative, you know, life-changing losses. One of them, in fact, puts you on a path to do what you're doing now. Would you mind sharing that with us, please? Sure, because I think to really understand why I wrote the list, you have have to know the backstory. And it starts when I was 23, and I just graduated from grad school, landed a job, I bought a house, I got married, and I thought, you know, I've got this incredible jump start on life, things are going to be smooth sailing. And they were for a few months, and then the rug got pulled out from under me one day when I got this phone call from my sister saying that our mom was found unconscious. My mom was 51, she had always been very healthy, and so it took us by complete surprise that she had suddenly become ill. But by the time we got to the hospital, the doctors informed us that she had a brain aneurysm. Mm. Within 24 hours, she was gone. And so now I found myself at 23 thinking, oh, how do I I go be an effective therapist when I'm going through all this grief on my own? And Mm. how do I deal with my personal life and and my professional life sort of all at the same time? And how do I figure this out? And, you know, I thought, okay, I'll just have as many good habits as I can, and I'll work on as much self-care as possible, and sort of white-knuckle it through it, and I did. And uh, it was on the three-year anniversary of when my mother died that my 26-year-old husband died suddenly of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And he'd always been very healthy, didn't have any heart issues that we knew of, and so again, complete surprise. And to have two people in your life who are here one day and then gone the next it's it's this really surreal experience so then i find myself as a 26 year old widow thinking now what do i do i don't have my mom and so it was then that i was really trying to figure out okay i can have as many good habits as possible but 
I realized that sometimes that's not enough, that you can have 101 good habits, but it only takes one or two bad habits to, to really hold you back. And so I also then started to pay attention to some of those bad habits in my life that I really had to get rid of if I, if I wanted to deal with that with as much strength as possible and to go through all that grief all over again. But, you know, throughout it all, I always had hope that someday life would get better, and it did. About four years later, I got remarried, and Steve and I decided to sell the house that I had been living in with my first husband. We moved to a new area. Life was looking pretty good. Started a new job, but shortly after that, my father-in-law got diagnosed with cancer. And unlike when I'd lost my mother and my husband so unexpectedly, this time I knew it was coming. And the doctors, you know, within a matter of months said, there's nothing else we can do. Right. And it was then that I sat down and I wrote my list, the 13 things mentally strong people don't do. It was really meant to be a letter to myself of all those things that I had learned over the years that could hold me back. I never meant for the list to go viral. Never imagined it would be turned into a book, but here I am. <laughs> and so it was really, I had written the list in November of 2013, and then by December of 2014, the book was on the shelves, so it certainly unfolded very quickly, but I was thrilled to be able to sort of tell the backstory and to explain to people how I came up with that list, because so many millions of people were reading the list, but they had no idea that... I had written it as a letter to myself. Well, what I want to say about it is, uh, and because I did read this about you and you so beautifully wrote about it, is I was really struck by this and and quite emotional when I read it because um, I, I watched your story and your, you know, what happened to you in life. And I got to think for a little bit about some of the things like that that happened to me. And how it affected me in my life. You know, I too lost a mother that never, you know, I actually lost two mothers, um, a mother and a stepmom. But I never thought in a million years for my stepmother that here today and, and gone tomorrow. And there are so many things that we think of in those moments, don't we? Where we say, oh, I should have, I could have, I would have. And to lose a spouse, I mean, to lose somebody so close to you in your life. And then to continue to see, you know, how life unfolds. I love the way you describe this in the book. Do you mind if I read it and then we can talk about it in more detail? No, go ahead. So I want to just tell you, uh, and uh, for those of you out there, uh, we are given a copy of the book away. We gave one away. Yeah, we did, yep. Yep, and we're ready to, we're ready to do another. 1-800-930-2819 to the first caller. Okay, so... Here's what I want to say. So Amy goes on to talk about this, but there's one sentence I love in here. I just love it. And, you know, and all of this, all of the people I've talked to and the work I've done, boy, you have nailed it. And here's what it says. I'm going to read it for everybody. It says, it's not that people are either mentally strong or mentally weak. We all possess some degree of mental strength, but there's always room for improvement. And so here's what Amy says. Developing mental strength is about improving your ability to regulate your emotions, manage your thoughts, and behave in a positive manner 
Here it is, folks, the punchline, despite your circumstances. I think that is so beautiful. I mean, it really is a blueprint. Um, And rather than say to people, Amy, oh, by the way, I want you to do this, this, and this, and this. You say, oh, by the way, I want you not to do this. (laughs) Right, right. And so... What's number one on your not-to-do list? I'm not saying you have to go in the order of the book. I want to know for you, Amy, today, because I believe these change. What is your number one not-to-do? Well, you know, I always tell people, came by this list, honestly, even to this day, the number one thing is still the number one thing in the book, which is that mentally strong people don't feel sorry for themselves. So no matter what obstacle I, I hit or no matter, you know, what types of challenges I face to know that it's just a complete waste of time to host a pity party. (laughs) (laughs) And as tempting as it can be sometimes to think, oh, that's not fair, or, you know, I wish that it didn't happen that way. It just keeps us dwelling on the problem rather than focusing on what's one thing I could do to make my life better. Well, and, you know, this is really it. Let's talk about the pity party for a minute, because I really want to just talk about this real quick for a couple of minutes before we go to break. Um, Pity parties show up in ways that we don't even recognize their pity parties, don't they? And so I want to ask you about this. Complaining. Complaining. Is complaining a symptom or an indicator of a pity party? You know, it can be. Because I Mm -hmm. think there's a false notion that people will say, well, it's healthy for me to vent. Well, no, actually, usually, you know, <laughs> calling 12 people and, and telling them about, you know, how horrible your boss is just actually doesn't do anything for you. In fact, <laughs> the research indicates quite the contrary. But, you know, sometimes we look for to try to rope other people into feeling sorry with us or feel sorry for us, and it it doesn't do us any good. And so to figure out when you don't like the way things are, either change it or just move on, but to complain about it it's a complete waste of your time and your energy i love these and you know we're not going to get to all of them today because there are a few here i want us to talk about in detail um but i we are going to get to some of them today and actually i think what amy what we'll probably do is give you a quick shot to look at it but you'll be able to see it it's what amy actually says about them that is really so super powerful and by the way when we're talking about self-pity i just want to tell you this just like the coolest of quote by uh, john gardner Uh, And it's this. It says, self-pity is easily the most destructive of the non-pharmaceutical narcotics. It is addictive, gives momentum, pleasure, and separates the victim from reality. I said a typo. Gives momentary pleasure. See, I I think it actually gives momentum to the spiral downward. That's my belief about self-pity. If you're living in the self-pity pot, and you so accelerate this, you are going down. There is no question about it. Amy wouldn't say that uh, quite that way. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other don'ts. I have a favorite on the list, but what might that be? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Tune in to Prescience Life Radio with host Mia Simone. Mia is devoted to sharing her extensive knowledge on the invisible worlds of energy. Join Mia and discover the science of intuition and connect with your greatest gift. 
Start living in your potential today and every day by opening up to the power of inner knowledge. To learn more about Mia, visit presciencelife.com. Tune in to the hit show Master's Chambers with your trusted friend, Connie Fife. Mondays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Each week, Connie will connect you with the best of the best thought leaders from around the globe to share their strategies and best practices. Getting better together. To book Connie, visit ConnieFifeSpeaks.com. My dream is to end homelessness. My passion is living a green life. My dream is to end poverty. My passion is volunteering. My passion is making a difference. My dream is to cure Lyme disease. My passion is rebuilding communities. My passion is helping those in need. My passion is caring for the elderly. My dream is to find a cure for cancer. My dream is to leave a better world for my children. We all have that special passion, that lifelong dream that drives us to live our lives with meaning and to create a better world. No matter what drives you, we can all make an impact. Dr. Pat Basili is helping others make their dreams come true so we can all help make our world a better world. To learn more about how Dr. Pat is building a community of sharing hope, strength, funds, knowledge, and information, visit abetterworldcrowdfunding.com today. That's abetterworldcrowdfunding.com. Call the Oprah of Radio by her listeners. Award-winning host Dr. Pat Basile is blowing the doors off of traditional talk radio. Get ready for an energizing delivery and powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's fresh new perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Visit thedrpatshow.com. That's T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com for listening times in your area. Burning low Only miss the sun when it starts to snow Only know you love her when you let her go Only know you've been high when you're feeling low Only hate the road when you're missing home Only know you love her when you let her go Yes, Mr. Benny Picking the music today Just super Super. Uh, I am so thrilled we have Amy here. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, Linda schedules everybody for the show, by the way, and brilliant job. And I get to review the books when they come in. We get books from all over publishers. Just about every publisher out there sends us a book. When I got this book and I looked at this thing and I saw 13, which is a very cool number, and it says 13 things mentally strong people don't do. I did a double take on it and I went back. Amy Morin has written the book. Amazing. Take back your power, embrace change, face your fears, and train your brain for happiness and success. Bam. That's what this is about. Amy, thank you so much for today. Wow. And I know this is a short period of time for us to talk about things, right? And you and I were talking during the break. But there is one of these I think we should make sure we talk about, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They don't give away their power. They don't give away their power. Number two, 
They don't give away their power. The reason I find this important to talk about is because of the way you wrote about it. I have to tell you, many of us don't even understand, A, what my power is, and B, that I have just given it away. So I don't even know that I've done it, but I know the consequences of it because I feel them. All right, the floor is all yours. Yeah, that one is really speaks to uh, sort of this a victim mentality that we sometimes get. And you can see it in the everyday language that we use. And so somebody might say, you know, my boss makes me mad. Well, no, your boss doesn't make you feel angry, right? Your boss may influence you and you feel bad, but your boss doesn't make you feel anything. Or you feel, you'll hear people say things like, you know, my mother-in-law makes me feel so bad about myself. Well, no, your mother-in-law isn't forcing you to feel bad about yourself. You have a choice in how you react to her. Or when somebody says, you know, this person drives me crazy. No, they don't drive you crazy. You allow them to to get under your skin. And so sometimes it's just a matter of switching that vocabulary. And the things that we often will say that we have to do in life, even if you say, I, you know, I have to go grocery shopping or I have to work late, well, yeah, there's consequences if you don't do those things, but it's a choice. And just recognizing that I'm choosing to get up and go to work today and I'm choosing to to go shopping even when I don't feel like it, or I'm choosing to work late because I don't want to get fired, just recognizing sometimes that you have the power to decide how you spend your time and who you want to spend time with and what you're going to do today and that you can be in control of your own emotions and you can control how you think about things can completely change your outlook on the whole world and to to feel like you're not just a victim of of your circumstances or that you're not being victimized by the people around you, but instead it's all up to you every day. And that as an adult who lives in a free country, it's all about the choices that you make. And I think for some people just changing their language that they use is just the first huge step that they take into really taking back their power. You know, you talk about in the book, and by the way, I want to tell you that Amy not just talks about these things, but there are some amazing stories that she shares in the book. Um, and you talk about people that give away their their power, give away their control. And, you know, and then you go on to talk about uh, how we, if I can talk about this one thing for a minute, if we could, um, you depend on others to regulate your feelings. Oh, boy, is that a mouthful, right? <laughs> that one, uh, that I think is universal, don't you? I think that's a universal thing we do. Yes, I think often that just becomes a habit that we that we often do, and you forget that you're even doing it. A lot of people aren't even conscious that they're doing it, but that it, it just becomes a habit, and that if they're on their own, they don't really know what to do because if somebody's not calming you down or cheering you up, you really have trouble doing those things for yourself. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, I mean, clearly these are some of the most important don'ts we have. What I'd like to do really quickly, we have one more copy of the book we'd love to give away to somebody. I think Mr. Benny's ready. Uh, 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. Amy, do you get more questions or comments about one of these more than the others? You know, are there things that are clearly on on people's radar these days? I would imagine that these are going to change, but is there something that you see a pattern or a theme with? 
Uh, you know, one of the common ones I get from people is they say, well, how do you not fear taking calculated risks? Because people will say, you know, I like my comfort zone. I don't want to do anything different, but I'm afraid to. How do you take those steps? And that's one of my favorite ones to talk about, too, because the truth is is that usually we don't even know how to calculate risk. We're really bad at it. And in the book, I give some sort of humorous examples of the things that we do. You know, you drive faster when you put your seatbelt on, statistically, or <laughs> just some sort of ridiculous things that we think, oh, you know, this isn't a risk, so I don't have to worry about it. But the truth is is that we can't judge risk based on how we feel. Normally we think, well, if something feels really scary, it must be really risky. But we know that our emotions are quite um, unreliable when it comes to that. If you took, for example, public speaking, so many people are terrified of public speaking. But in reality, nobody's died of public speaking that I know of. It's not actually risky when you think about that compared to driving in a car. And so to figure out in your life, you know, what sorts of things do you think are risky, but they're not? And how do you take those steps to take some some risk sometimes and how you know that sometimes it's okay to take that step even when it feels scary that anxiety isn't gonna you know be as bad as you think it is that we can usually tolerate more than we think and that oh, to live a really rich and fulfilling life sometimes you have to take those risks but you have to know how to calculate risk too if you're going to make the best choices for yourself you know part of this too uh, is an interesting conversation on intuition and, you know, I wanted to ask you about this in a, in, for a moment because, you know, sometimes we'll do things or we'll make decisions that the people around us think, oh, man, she's lost her mind or he's lost her mind. And yet at the same time, inside, we feel like we are definitely on the right track, even though everything around us may point to the fact that, uh, okay, I'm not 100% sure but I know in my gut, we hear this over and over again, don't we? I know in my gut that this is, the, this is what I should do. You know, where would something like that fit in on the don't worry? Is it about the pleasing or where would that come in? Well, you know, I think a lot of, I guess, any decision that we make in life is really about balancing our emotion with logic. That's when we make our best decisions in life. So while there's a lot to be said for, you know, making looking at the pros and cons and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Life would be very boring if we only ever looked at the logical end of the spectrum. And so we do need some of that emotion and some of that intuition to know how do you make good choices and what can you do in life when you're really feeling something but you think, oh, maybe this still isn't doesn't make that much sense on paper, but to, to balance that out. Right. So there's a lot of the things on my list where that would fall in, which is not about pleasing other people. It's about doing what you know is right in your heart and living according to your values. And being bold enough to do that, even when other people don't agree. Well, and, you know, part of this, too, is really looking at some of the other don'ts. Let's touch on a few of them here, if we could, for a minute. Um, uh, you know, it's, it, I love this one. I love this one. Uh, don't resent other people's success. Boy, that is, that is so an energy field that is out in our pop culture right now. You know what I mean? You know, don't resent other people's success. And we don't even know we're resenting it because we're so, we're so, it's so difficult for us to say, oh my God, I envy that person or I'm looking at somebody or I'm comparing. Isn't this don't resent other people's success also in the realm of comparison? Well, 
Yeah, we tend to always compare ourselves to other people, and it's strange that we've come to this place where now if we see somebody else achieve something, it's almost as if we think it somehow takes that away from us, or it minimizes our own accomplishments when your neighbor, your friend, your coworker gets something that you want, and, and because of that, we often try to compensate by making excuses, well, you know, the boss just likes him better, or... You know, my sister married somebody rich, that's why she gets to do that. Or sort of, like, minimize their accomplishments and and then talk about, you know, we sort of blend into the one about feeling like the world owes us something because we start to then think, well, that's not fair, and I deserve that, and why can't those good things happen to me? And, you know, it's not helpful. <laughs> Every minute that you spend resenting somebody else is a minute that you take your, your eyes off of your own goals and to know that if you are secure in what your definition of success is, then you can know that when other people achieve their definition of success, it doesn't have to affect your own path in life, that it's they're on their own journey and that they're separate from you. Yeah. I mean, this is really kind of a tricky one because, you know, we are living in a world. And someone talked to me. I was talking to a, an incredible guy yesterday, and he was saying, my gosh, you know, we have folks that are moving in in, in the younger generations of things, and there's such an individualistic energy and such an such a place of competition in the world, you know that his fear was that we've lost sense of community. When we come back, I want to talk with you about this idea. Two things that you talk about is alone time. What does that really mean? That alone time. Why is it we are so afraid of that alone time? that we, even when we're meditating now, we've got to have our phone there. All right, let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back with the show. And we have still a book available if you want to oh, call in you, for Benny. that. 800-930-2819. Get Amy's book right now. Yeah. Get ready to embrace your feminine nature and get wild. Join Lynn Brown and Wendy R. Wolf for the Wild Transformation Retreat this July 26th through August 1st. Get ready for a mental, physical, and spiritual challenge. A call back to nature and its unlimited gifts. To learn more and register for the early bird price by July 1st, visit areyouintoit.com. That's letter R, letter U, intoit.com. You got attitude? Keys to the rescue. Adjust your attitude with Keys Clear Protein Waters. So refreshing. Just a few sips of Keys will give you a whole new outlook, thanks to 22 grams of the happiest protein on earth. Tongue-tingling tasty without the guilt of naughty or nasty ingredients. If that doesn't put a smile on your face, maybe you need to drink too. Put a little in your attitude with Keys Protein Water. On Amazon or at Keys, K-E-E-S, please, dot com. Tune in to Sheer Alchemy with Leslie Fontaine on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get ready to stir up your passions, identify your blocks, and shift into an entirely new existence. 
Leslie Fontaine is a transformation catalyst and clairvoyant who uses her intuitive and energetic gifts to catapult listeners into living the life they were born to live. Whether it's shifting from scarcity to abundance, from emotional pain into joy, or from illness into health, Leslie will help you step into the true essence and power of all that you are with the help of the Ascended Masters and Archangels. You will not be the same. Visit TransformationTalkRadio.com for show dates and times and LeslieFontaine.com to say yes to explosive abundance. Are you tired of being tired? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know the adrenal glands, the workhorse of the body? They are the means by which you position yourself in life for whatever comes your way. Tiny but mighty, producing hormones the body uses to promote energy and vitality. These adrenals determine how you respond to stress, and when depleted, the body loses its ability to function powerfully when we need it most. The much-needed adrenaline or epinephrine is not available for emergency situations. Cortisone and cortisol, the longer-acting anti-stress adrenal hormones, can also become depleted due to the pace of our everyday lives. We overwork and undernutrition our most powerful ally that helps us to live the lives we desire. We are able to determine the optimum function of the adrenals and put your system back in balance. Contact us today to feel powerfully energized at 888-777-4232 or visit us at maryjanemack.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Amy, it's so great to have you here. My gosh, the phone lines are jumping. Benny, that was you. You should make all the announcements. Wow, that was great, everybody. Amy, one more time, let folks know how they can find out more about you. And then we've got a couple maybe we could talk about. One I think that you mentioned is super important. And then I think there's one that is really misunderstood. But for all of you out there, you got to get the book, you know, absolutely, to really get into what some of these things really mean. One more time with your website, if we, if you don't mind. Sure. My website is Amy Morin, M-O-R-I-N, L-C-S-W, as in licensed clinical social worker.com. And I've got some videos and blog posts and lots of information about my book on there. Awesome. Thank you. All right. There was one that you wanted to talk about. So let's go right there. Um, yeah, the one that I like to talk to people about is that number 13, that mentally strong people don't expect immediate results. And the reason is, is because sometimes people will think, well, if I just give up these 13 things this week, suddenly I'm going to become mentally strong. <laughs> or they'll say, you know, I've been, I've been coming to therapy for three weeks, but my depression isn't better, so this didn't work. And to know that, you know, a lot of things in life these days happen fast. We have technology that makes it so we can do so many things at the click of a button, but that real change takes time. So whether you want to lose weight or your goal is, is to become a more patient parent, those things don't happen overnight, and that mm-hmm. sometimes progress doesn't always come in a straight line. Sometimes you have to get worse before you get better. And so it's really important to view these changes in life as more like a marathon and not a sprint. I'll tell people, too, about mental strength, that nobody became physically strong in two weeks. It just doesn't happen like that. Right. The same as with mental strength. You don't just, you know, make the decision to give up these bad habits and suddenly become mentally strong. It takes, it takes practice, and it's a commitment, and it's really about making the everyday changes in your life. And like we touched on a little bit before is that 
you know, that you never get to the point where you think, okay, I'm strong enough, I don't need to do that anymore. Because just like with physical strength, if you said, oh, I know, I've been lifting weights for six months and I don't need to lift weights anymore, your muscles would get weak. And so the same as the mental strength, it's really about creating a lifestyle change. And because there's seasons to our life, whereas in some parts of our life, it might be easy to not resent somebody else's success. But then you hit a roadblock and suddenly you feel like you're on the bottom of the barrel. It's a lot harder not to do that. So it's really a a much longer process about making these lifestyle changes. You know, one of the things, too, that people do, it's either all or nothing. So they're going to get the book. They're going to be 13 things that mentally strong people don't do. And they're going to look at the book. And, you know, some people may all of a sudden look at the book and they're saying, I'm going to do them all. I'm going to do it right now, Amy. I got it. I got this. I got this. I'm going to do them all. And then off we go to the races to do them all. Other people may pick up the book and say, oh, my God, there are 13. There is no way I can do. I cannot take it on. What is your recommended approach? Yeah, I think to just start with one or two things that stand out to you and say, what are the couple of things I can I can choose to do differently today? And normally then, once you start to make one change in one area of your life, then sometimes it becomes easier to make other changes, but that you don't want to, usually don't want to tackle all 13 at once because that's overwhelming. So to just pick one or two small things that you want to work on and tackle those things first. Yeah. Okay. I know we've got a few minutes left. I want to talk about one of these, which is uh, don't make uh, the same same mistake twice. I think that's what you say. Did I paraphrase that okay? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I found that since folks, a couple of people knew I was going to be interviewing you, me interviewing you on this, don't make the same mistake twice. A lot of times, what what I'm finding is when people view that because they haven't read your book. They're really looking at, oh, my God, I started this business, I failed, I'm never going to do it again. That, I don't think, is what you're saying, right? Uh, right. Or, oh, my gosh, I wrote the book, I was rejected by, uh, you know, honestly, what was it, Jack Canfield, Super the Soul was rejected by, what, 165 publishers? Right. I'm, yeah, I'm never going to do it again. Okay, that is not what you're saying. Could you please explain this one to folks? Yeah, you know, when it comes to mistakes, we have the opportunity to either um, to either make the same mistake again. A lot of times pride gets in our way, and we mm. make excuses. So we say, well, that wasn't my fault. That didn't go well. It was, you know, my somebody else's fault or just my circumstances or something like that. Then we jump right back up on the horse, do the same thing over again, and then wonder why it didn't work out. But you can also view mistakes as a wonderful opportunity to learn and to grow stronger and to become better. But you have to push your pride aside and be willing to really take a minute to look at, oh, why did I mess up? And then to ask yourself, how can I do this differently next time so I can be better? And then when you move forward with that approach after learning from your mistake, you won't repeat the exact same one twice. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're probably we're probably not talking about you and me about making the same mistake twice, are we? <laughs> of course not, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. You know, I had an interesting analogy that someone said to me a long time ago. They said, look, you walk down the street. You know you go down the same. I'm from New York. You drive down the street. You know you drive down the street every day. It's always the back way you go because you're trying to get there sooner. The same pothole is there every day. So you drive by and you hit the pothole. And every day you know the pothole is there. 
but you're so much in a hurry. You drive down the street. You don't think about the pothole. But, you know, a week later, this pothole has gotten bigger. But you still drive down the street. And you don't really see the pothole. And you keep driving down. A month later, you're driving down the street. And the pothole is now a sinkhole. But you hit it anyway. How do we break that? And, and this is a habit. And, you know, what I say about this, how do we break this without guilt and shame? Right? Because so often right. we go, my God, Amy, I ate that whole pizza last night. I feel so bad. How do, how do we work around this? Yeah, you know, I think part of it is just admitting our mistakes and to know that it's okay to to talk about them. And, and when you do talk about them, other people are usually much more apt to talk about their mistakes, too. But we do live in this sort of um, society where some, we don't want to admit the mistakes that we made. And as a result, nobody talks about them. And, you know, I think a lot of it goes back to childhood, too. We don't do a very good job as a society to teach people to learn from mistakes. A little kid raises his hand in class and gets the wrong answer, you know, his friends laugh at him, and he doesn't learn that it's okay to make that mistake. And, in fact, that means that you you were trying, and that's a good thing. And so to remind ourselves that mistakes are proof that we're pushing ourselves to our to our limits and that we're expanding our horizons and that we're doing things that are really things we hadn't done before and that that's a great thing then and it's a wonderful learning opportunity and so i think to just keep that into perspective helps to keep that those feelings of shame at bay i agree with you and you know it is really now we're living in an arena where guilt and shame has just run amok I mean, we are, and you know this, we are being bombarded with messages that we're not enough. Um, And if we'd have only done it this way instead of that way, we'd have that million-dollar lottery ticket. Amy, thank you so much for all you've done. I hope you will come back, um, and I hope to talk with you in the future. Yeah, I have one last question for you. I'd love to know what your personal message is, and thank you for having the courage to step out and take this very powerful message to the world. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You know, I think I just love to to tell people that, again, we all have the opportunity to grow stronger, and I think we're in this together. And if we can say, let's make the world a stronger place, then I think the world will become a much better place because of it. Oh, so brilliant. The book is 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. Amy Morin, thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. If you've missed any part of this, you'll be able to hear it later on today at TransformationTalkRadio.com. Thank you, Benny, for all the hard work. Thank all of you for being amazingly beautiful people. We'll see you next time. 